Welcome to Wired for Impact. My name is Peter King and I'm the host of the podcast. In these episodes, I sit down with world-class creators, entrepreneurs, and leaders to find out their backstories, who they are, what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. The conversations are intended to enlighten, educate, and inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Collectively, we can and will make a difference. We will create impact. I'm here with Alan King, how are you doing, Alan? Hey, how are you doing, Peter? It's really I'm great to see you. I'm doing awesome. Thank you. You as well. No relation, of course, to me. Not that I know of anyway. You followed the breadcrumbs. We might connect at some point. But thanks for taking the time today to be on the podcast and to share what you're up to. I'm super excited to hear more about your company, what you're doing, your background. For those that don't know, you are Alan King. You are the head of A King's fashion brand. And you're doing some really fascinating stuff with NFTs and technology and, and utilizing the blockchain ecosystem to promote your brand and to do some really innovative stuff. First and foremost, uh, again, thank you for being on the podcast today. For sure. Thank you for having me. So for those that are not familiar with who you are and what you do, let's before we get into all the tech, let's give them a little bit of a background from where you started, how you got into fashion, and then we'll lead up to, to the tech that you're doing. Yeah, for sure. So I started in fashion as a reseller. So I was buying and selling um, hyped goods like Supreme, Nike, or Jordans. And I just saw that, I just saw that there's so much value beyond just clothes that you wear. And this started really early on for me in high school. And as I understood that, it just made so much more sense to buy that versus a fast fashion brand. And the natural progression was, hey, with all these brands are building brands that have this amount of value, can I build something like this? So I went on to attempt to start up my own streetwear streetwear label in high school where I screen printed t-shirts, did digital mockups, and then essentially posted them on like Facebook and, and the internet and just gauge, hey, people buy these. As I ran ads on some of these items and some of them sell, some of them didn't sell. And the ones that didn't sell or like they only sold like one or two, I just I returned the orders and canceled them. Hey, sorry, we're sold out. So it's like an early day drop shipping, but like my products. And so I tried that for a number of years. And what really happened is I was creating along the way and I created this J-shaped jean that in senior year of high school as a joke. And this uh, curved jean blew up on Reddit and it blew up on, it just, a friend of a friend posted on Reddit, blew up. And then from there, all of a sudden my traffic and interest on my website spiked. I actually crossed, I, I crossed like a huge amount of traffic from all over the world and people started pre-ordering uh, my products. What do you mean by curved jeans? Yeah, so I think I can send a, a image to you later to insert, but um, it's essentially like a, a curved jean that instead it looks like what's like we call it like a J shape or a bow legged jean. But what wow. it does is it allows people to to wear it to wear it. Uh, actually, when you wear it, it becomes straight and it actually conforms and fits to your legs. Mm -hmm. So the way that it fits, it allows you to be let's say four eleven or seven one to wear the same jean. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah, and it creates this like stack gene effect that is a uh, really uh, common like trend nowadays. So it wasn't when I was first starting it in streetwear. Gotcha. Cool. Okay, so that went that went viral off of Reddit, and then what happened? Yeah. So after Reddit, I started doing I started doing trade shows, and I, I got my first opportunity to do like a charity fashion week. 
uh, event. And from there, I just, I think Reddit was the first spark of, wow, like the internet and social media is the future. For me, I didn't have a social media following or anything like that in high school. And when I saw the spike on Reddit and how many people you can reach on the internet, I just decided, man, I have to go all in. So I started um, really focusing on Instagram. I started focusing on other social media platforms, um, trying to gauge like Pinterest and different things early on. And that, that led to other opportunities that led me to uh, styling some of the largest artists in the world. Like we, I styled like CMCO, who's like one of the largest Latin boy bands. I styled Wale, who's one of the larger hip hop artists in the space. And I styled him for Rolling Loud. And I actually made custom pieces for a ton of artists as well along the way from them seeing me on social media and me just meeting other people that gave me opportunities. Um, and can you, can we pause there for just a second? Can you tell me what is the process for that when they want you to style them for something like a custom, this, that, or whatever, what's the bird's eye view? Uh, So in the beginning, when I first started, I honestly uh, didn't really take a traditional industry approach. I would say that for me, I just did it. I didn't really have a day rate. I was just super hungry and I was like, Hey, I'll do it. And I just understood, Hey, I have my brand in this. It's worth it. And uh, some of them ended up giving me budgets like for making custom pieces, purchasing um, fabric material, labor. And of course, like that came at some sort of a premium more because it's creating one-on-ones. But there wasn't really like a crazy amount of money in the beginning. And it was just, but in the industry standpoint, can get pretty crazy. Like nowadays, some stylists for for one shoot, I've seen some of my friends make anywhere from ten to fifty thousand, depending on the style, like level of the artist for that day. Mm-hmm. But it is a lot of work. So I didn't necessarily do what a, a real stylist uh, does as a job. I was just like, hey, like here's here's my collection. I style you in my my jeans and my my t-shirts, and like here are my clothes. So a normal gotcha. stylist is really like. They have their network of independent brands. They have a network of apartment stores or other stores they would um, get pieces from. And they would market make and, and create this collection style for, for this artist, this artist's image. It's a little bit, it's honestly a lot more work, which is why they charge what they charge. And I just, well, here's some clothes I have. You know, let, let me put it on you. <laughs> You're just budding. You're just starting, quote unquote. Yeah. Yet at the same time, you've already had some significant success. How long has the business been, the fashion business been going for you and and how well is it going for you now yeah our last it's been since i started the brand officially in 2017 so it's been five years now and i would say the last three years was when i really actually understood um, the business end a lot more i started building up uh, the systems and the first two years i was a little bit more like a just full-on designer where i only focused on that and i had just i didn't really have exactly the vision of the brand and where I wanted to lead it to fully flushed out. In the past two, in the past two to three years, we've grown like significantly. Where now we're at uh, about fourteen people across the world, and we we have about we've been able to be featured on you know, like every single major publication because of that. Like different viral moments that we've had across like TikTok and Instagram, and also TV, where I managed to. I got the opportunity to be on HBO Max for a streetwear show called The Hype. And I think all of that sort of compounded to like several hundred thousand followers on different social media follow, different social media like Instagram, TikTok, and mm-hmm. um, and just like customers and fans around the world. Um, I think we're still starting, but it's social media really took the business to a different level because of the retail accounts that we were able to reach and um, all the different people that ended up finding us on there. And then yeah. h- how did your business start? Like, when did it collide with NFT and the possibilities that you mm. do with blockchain? 
Sorry. Yeah. So to backtrack on that end is where I got into crypto in 2017. And this is when I had a super small office in Soho where it was like a closet and I was paying maybe like two grand for this little closet. It had like two, right. enough room for two people on a desk and then like a little, little rack behind me. And in that time, I was just buying Bitcoin and Ethereum and a couple other meme coins on this exchange called Cryptopia and got rugged on. And in that, in that moment, what kind of inspired me first getting into crypto was I, I was, I was a college dropout. So I was accepting money through, through Chase, some of my, because I was doing marketing and manufacturing for other people as well as, and my, so my Chase account got frozen because they thought I was doing a wire fraud. So they made me call everybody. Um, they made me call everybody, all my clients up. And they're like, Hey, like what? You had to be on the phone. You had to verify every single one of your clients had to verify oh with my us. Gosh. That is a legitimate transaction because you're just like doing money, like making money on a college account and maxing out the Zelle limits every day and stuff. And, and then, um, so after like two, three hours, they're like, okay, fine, this is legitimate, but we're still going to cancel your account. They closed, they closed my wow. account. Yeah. So I did, I think that money was held up for four months or like maybe even six months. And I, I was already buying Bitcoin and, and, and everything. So I, I was just like, man, if this is like the digital currency, maybe I, I go harder and focus on this in some ways. Because I was like, there's there's nobody to really uh, shut me down and, and question me. Yeah. So that, that was what inspired it. And as I, and I would say, but as the chase situation got resolved and then other things, I, I saw there wasn't as much adoption and, and interest of people paying for services through, through crypto at the time. There wasn't a huge surge. I, I just was like, okay, I still have to use banks and, and shifted and just like left the crypto there and just looked at it here and there, but didn't really focus on it. And then use some of the gains to, to invest into the business. But fast forward, like to, I would say 2019, 2020, I started looking back into crypto again just because all my friends from like 2017 that I've met along the way were super deep into it now and doing crazy projects. Some of them started collecting uh, these JPEGs, these NFTs. And I was super confused when I saw some of them post, but as I started catching up with a lot of them, they helped me understand the ownership aspect, the avatars and identities aspect of the communities and just like what people are building and almost sometimes even crowdfunding with NFTs. And I think it was just a super interesting take on where what uh, people can do. And it reminded me a little bit like ICOs in 2017, but just like without the, the risk of tokens fluctuating the same way, because I feel like the individual holders of these NFTs, while there is like fluctuation, there's still like a community that really believes in the roadmap. And so it felt a little bit different. Like it felt like a little bit more controlled, a little bit more substantial in, in substance. And so I, as I got into that, I just saw really quickly a, like one the nfts are here to stay and that nfts are something that people will be adopting more and more and along the way a friend a customer of mine who's now a friend is he just emails me out of the blue with these tiger mock-ups and my hoodies and he's hey like i i have this project that i'm looking to i'm looking to do a collaboration and i would love to have your, your brand incorporated in some way and we give a percentage of you know let's say 10 percent of the mint has your logos but then um, out of that percentage, a certain rarity is able to redeem your products. So we we agreed on this collaboration and we worked out everything on the back end for it. And as we saw the launch and the success of the launch, I really uh, was fascinated that a lot of our community, because they were already crypto native and seeing me post from like 2017 or um, just being uh, Gen Z to millennial focused, like we just saw a lot of adoption. There was no backlash, like a lot of brands right now that are releasing NFTs are getting backlash, but there was just no backlash. It was like, oh, you're doing NFTs and things like that. And um, mm -hmm. that struck me as something like super unique. That's when I really 
I would say after that first collection release, we really, for the collaboration, I really started delving into like NFTs and, hey, what can we do on a digital side for the fashion brand? And that ignited the first initial story. But a couple other factors really snowballed into why we got into digital fashion. One was the collaboration. Then the second one was actually supply chain. It was just COVID and just the fact that like my factories could get shut down at a, in like 24 hours notice. So like overnight, hey, like we're closing mm-hmm. down the city, you can't produce. That was super, that's been super frustrating. And, and just similar to that Chase Bank story, I was just like, man, like there's got to be some form of um, control like you, you should have in your business or like what you're doing. And I didn't really feel that. I, I didn't really feel that in the fashion world because of the manufacturing side too. I think that ignited this, this process of, hey, can I get into digital fashion? And along the way, I would say I started as just, being a reward system, thinking a bit like, hey, I want to reward holders. I want to create this fashion community. Pause Other- you for, for just yeah. a second. So for, for us Gen Xers, can you explain uh, what you mean by digital fashion? The best way to explain it would be that your avatar NFT, when you, if you start buying NFTs, you have these, most of them are profile photos, right? They're usually people, things that people use. Like if you look at the most famous ones, like a board ape or now like one coming up, it's called like Azuki. These guys, like they're basically profile photos or identities where they have traits like, Hey, this is a rare, um, this is a rare hat. This is a rare hoodie. And, and people collect these things similar to art in the beginning. And now it's uh, become almost a status symbol for some of these NFTs. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I just identified that similar to the fashion with name brands. Yeah. Gotcha. If I'm going to, if I could just simplify for a second. So it's essentially you have an avatar that you use either in, in the NFT space, but ultimately this is going to be in the metaverse as well. Like your, your digital representation yeah. of yourself. So you're clothing right, right. that uh, avatar. So when, if, yeah. is, that, is that right? Yep. So when you say digital fashion is, and I'm clothing it. So just to be very specific, let's say I have a profile and I want to buy what digital asset would I buy from you and how would I then utilize it? Yeah. So we sell the, we're selling the NFT as a digital wearable. So I took the approach of selling a digital wearable because I felt like there's a lot of identities already being built and I wanted to work with something that was relatively new and I can enter the space in and still be new when I do launch. And the, so you can buy essentially like a, a trading card from us that has like a hoodie or a jean and that transforms in the metaverse or in the digital space into the hoodie that's on your avatar or the hoodie that's the jean that's on your avatar. And in terms of like the benefits and utilities, what really hashed out for us is that we call it a where to earn aspect. So what it really is, you're rewarded for wearing the products through tokens by completing different things. So you might go into a metaverse or a game and it's, hey, play five rounds of poker and you're rewarded X number of tokens to do. And we do that through what we call a loot box system where the game actually pays us and then we pay you. Um, and and also other times it might be a Web2 game that maybe doesn't have tokens of their own or they just want to run a marketing. So, so they look at us as uh, holders or beta testing for their new features, or sometimes even just to create more user adoption or some special event for them. That's on the metaverse side. The other side I think is really interesting is we actually are where to earn in real life. So we're doing like tend to earn showing up in uh, a place. We have one collaboration we've been talking to, for example, they're an AR app and you have your mobile app, you download it. And let's say you're in New York city or a park and you're just like, Hey, we tell you, go find this tree in this park. Um, can be in any of your local cities, but we airdrop it in a random tree in one of the parks in your cities. And you have to go there, take a photo with whatever's whatever's in that tree, 
and claim that reward that's in the tree, but also have to be wearing one of our products at the same time. Wow. And then you get paid because you shared on Instagram or something like that? Yeah. So how we think of it is like social currency, right? So yeah. of course, like if you, if you tweet at it, if you uh, post it and you're, so a good example is it's not just benefiting us and how we're also making sure that the tokenomics makes sense. And it's just not like people are putting money in and we're giving away the money out in a sense and re- repeat what's happening is um, companies are also signing on on board to be a part of this on an advertising model. So if you're like a blue bottle coffee or Starbucks and you want to bring X number of users to different locations you have, we might put out a quest, so to speak, like where you would be like, hey, go to your local blue bottle coffee, take a photo in front of it, tweet at us at blue bottle coffee, submit the tweet in your portal to claim. So people are being rewarded for the social currency side and people are being rewarded for showing up to places as well. That's brilliant. I love the innovation and the creativity with that. And I'm a little confused, not confused, but can you help explain a little bit further on how do you verify that? Do you have, is there like face facial recognition or something like that to, to verify? Or how do you make sure that it's yeah. a legit post and not a Photoshop or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's actually so funny because we, we have these uh, Twitter challenges that we've seen some people Photoshop or bring like Pinterest images up into already. So it's right now, it's actually still like a manual process because I'm sure the technology is being built already where you can see Instagram shops, right? Like when you go on Instagram right now and you click, sometimes you'll say, see similar products. So it already is like scanning the image and showing like uh, products. So we're verifying it through that. And then we have a manual verification process. We're still building out the UX uh the app itself, but that's the general idea of like how we're going to verify it. And of course, the other thing is you have to be a verified holder. So in order for you to have access to even submit something, you have to be um, holding one of our NFTs. So in that aspect, it's we're verifying it through just like a mint gate or a token gate. And it's our first initial security. Gotcha. That makes sense. I'm trying to get my head wrapped around all the economics around this and mm-hmm. how this actually gets funded and creates mm. win-wins for everybody involved. So essentially you have a, a sponsor. Can mm. you give us a, a hypothetical or maybe one that you've already done before? You started to explain yeah. it before, but if you could walk us through mm. the economics of it, would be helpful. Yeah. So for example, one one is Epic Prime is like a gaming, gaming and metaverse company and they have multiple gaming distributors. They represent multiple games as distributor and they also have their own metaverse and their own token. So in their case, they would want to set up, they want to set up something like, hey, we have our metaverse, we have this game token, we would like to create a loot box pool of $50,000, our Epic token. And anybody that shows up in the Epic verse and goes to this section can claim it. And maybe they have to, if they want to do additional things, they can claim additional rewards. So that's one like simplified version for the gaming metaverse side. How they win, I would say, is the company you're sponsoring is one, of course, the advertising that you mentioned, but also the new users, because new users are extremely valuable, not just in gaming, but especially in Web3. Uh, mm-hmm. So that helps them in their fundraising aspects. It helps them in more growth and traction. If you want to do an event and you want more people there, you have to look at, hey, is it viable to spend X amount of dollars in, in marketing and how many possible new users will you get from it? Or if you go to an NFT company like ours, where hey, we have, let's say, 5,000 holders, we can get 4,000 of the holders to show up based on this incentive. It's a tremendous value add for them. Now, how the user wins is, of course, there's that $50,000 pool that they also share. So let's say the mint of the NFT is $300 on the pre-sale round. My goal is uh, the approximate 
if we just sold on pre-sale round for the first collection, it's a million dollars to 1.2. And my goal is to actually create a 1.2 million plus in bounty uh, system where companies are already making commitments and then we'll have, we'll be able to disperse and allow this user to be profitable without the gate mm -hmm. after that $1.2 million bounty is dispersed. Um, and the other systems and other coins, we talked to even tokens who are interested in doing this because they do token giveaways already. But if we, for them, this is something far more interactive than a, hey, retweet and follow us. This is, you can do all these other things on, in the metaverse with the token. You can do an event. You can have people show up to educate yourself and as a token. You can create like interactive experiences for this. So um, you can create something memorable instead of just people now on Twitter. There's just uh, Twitter bots that are spamming, retweeting to get uh, X number of airdrops. So you know, now I think on the uh, cup customer side or holder side, I would say we, we should also look at it as, hey, like we're not going to spam you guys with advertisements. These are all like thoughtful people. So this is all like strategic partnerships or people that we think are going to be huge in the space of becoming. So you're getting early access to a lot of things before the public sometimes, or even if like really exclusive betas, exclusive haven't seen before opportunities. We even have, other than token giveaways, sometimes the communities are offering us private allocation for their ICOs. They're offering us private pre-sales for their land lots, free NFTs. They're offering us a whitelist for their new projects. So um, there's a lot of value add in, in our marketplace and our secondary. And then how we win, as a, I would say, as on our end, like finally and lastly, we have, of course, the uh, advertising play long-term, which can become like publishing and, and stuff like that. And we have some coins that are, and um, NFT projects that are already offering us that. But we're just very careful about accepting those offers. We're, we're vetting it first and we're making sure that this is, um, legitimate and typically we're we're dealing with that by making sure that's VC led in some way and it's audited in, in by some of the bigger tokenomics companies and the and the team is doxed of course but the other ways is other than the publishing is you have to think of the token ecosystem and the NFT ecosystem meaning okay like sale buy sell buy and sell side the transaction volume is so we take a small fee on the tax side so we take a fee of of every buy sell transaction that happens in our ecosystem and eventually also trading, meaning trading and rentals so that you can rent your clothes to other people and they can share and earn rewards and you can share an upside with them or you can just take a flat rate because there's plenty of people, like you said, like that maybe are, that don't have time like to just sit there on a computer and try to get these rewards. But if they just want to sit there and uh, rent it out and list it, and they have 10 of our items, they can list it and other people can share the benefits and they can win in some way as well. I would say that's how we win generally on the taxes ecosystem as a whole. The other thing is that we, I really see it as, as we grow in the community, we, there's many ways like to benefit such as the private allocations that I mentioned earlier for different ICOs for different land lots for for free NFTs for different collaborations. So I think in the long term we're just we're just positioned as like a, a premium like first to market market maker for a lot of projects. Are you having? I would imagine the, the opportunity that you see for your brand alone, I'm sure, is beyond exciting. But at the same time, you're also developing a platform that other you know current competitors might want to emulate to where you're thinking, gosh. I could create the platform. I'm not competing anymore. Now I'm actually working and collaborating with other designers and other, probably even other industries. How yeah. the hell are you staying focused? <laughs> so much opportunity. Yeah. So I, I think the, the way that I really look at it is that we are focused on proving out and building like the gold standard, right? If we can build the gold standard, then everything else follows. And like, if, 
if the premium brands or the brands that want to follow us and integrate with us, they will integrate and reach out and, and we do partnerships with it. We're also like talking to some strategic behind the scenes people that we are considering that for, because even in some meetings, sometimes for collaborations that, that comes up and it's just, it's just, wow, can you just do this for us? And so we, we are, we are like, you know, we are like considering those routes, but I think in, it is definitely more as like a secondary in our eyes right now because it's so early and we want a things to be that, that model at first, but we are open to it. There's other brands that want to integrate and utilize what we are doing because the way I built the initial NFTs is I designed it thinking of it as a template or a gold standard for other brands that or other companies that would want to integrate later. So mm-hmm. it's a product focused, it's a product focused sketch, but then it also is a trading card template where you can put the brand logo or the brand name in different parts of the cards and different attributes and aspects. And the tech of the smart contract is thought out in a similar way where the attributes can be swapped if the brand to keep curated to a different brand or the tokenomics in a very similar way. I definitely um, think of it in that way. And I feel like the future is always really exciting to to talk about and to, to try to live in. But I, I always try to think of the uh, lowest hanging fruit that gets us closer to that future first. And then I just build and focus on those points. I, I would imagine, let me actually, yeah. I'll ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot for a little bit, but at your absolute core, would you consider yourself a true artist, designer, fashion designer, or a tech entrepreneur? Yeah, I think at the absolute core, I'm much of very much the creative. I'm very much the creative in a sense of there's, I, I like to think out of the box of what could be groundbreaking or what, what could be ways that I can pivot and grow the business or I can grow like the grow a new idea, or create a new idea. So that's where like return and all these concepts come from. But, and I think the entrepreneur side was a little bit, but I, I think like it's also tough to say because it's not necessarily like I'm, I'm a, a full on artist that like just wants to draw all day or something. Uh, because for me, like some of my earliest memories of, entrepreneurship or just like earliest memories in general that I really have just stuck to me in my DNA have been like me selling homework and it's like a guy that broke his leg in grade school or like <laughs> buying and selling trading cards, <laughs> you know? Um, right. Yeah. And like buying and selling, like buying and selling like sneakers and clothing in high school to, I actually bought and sold a hoverboard and I was importing them uh, from China. <laughs> it was a super hot trend. And when hoverboards are the premium. And so I think I just had all these like, these moments where I, I was always like very curious about like building things and seeing when there was a demand for something and selling it. But I, I just got really obsessed with wanting to build a brand and building building something for the long term. And I just never really gave up in that process. So I found ways to fund it in through like uh, my other marketing arm agency or for uh, manufacturing for other people, building out different building out different things just to fund this vision. It's tough to say, yeah. Did you, do you have VC backers right now? Yeah. So right now we're in the like road trip phase of like, like soft talks with different uh, VCs because we're looking for strategic, strategic partners more so than just like money. Um, it's so it's strictly like crypto VCs or gaming VCs at the moment and just strategic partners that understand entertainment, fashion and culture to some degree where they can be like a big help. We have venture in, in the sense of venture experience on our team. So one of our advisors is actually uh, Kylie Ng from 500. So he was an early backer in Animoca, Axie Infinity, and uh, Solana as well. And like when he invested in, like when I say early backer, like he invested in Axie Infinity as a mobile game. 
Yeah, so this is like before Web3 and they just, so he's been really more so like the, the VC experience on our team of, and help it being really helpful in that process of introductions. And then of course, just along the way and being how unique our project is, we just get a lot of interest and people that ask us, but we will start like fundraising more closer to next month. And that's when we'll like start seriously talking to more VCs. Right now we're focused on build. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I meant to ask you a minute ago, like how much could somebody make? How much could the average consumer make utilizing the where to earn? Yeah. So I think the way to look at it is you're really um, betting on the team and the founder of the ideas too, in some ways. So for example, um, in the short term, like our goals are, we want to make sure that everybody breaks even on their initial mint, in the initial mint or initial purchase. And then on a long term though, we're going big. So it's just, hey, if we hit uh, 1 million in bounty, can we hit 5 million? Can we hit 10 million in bounty? So we're trying to increase the incentive of this bounty system. And I, I really think that for us, what's one thing that's really interesting is I, I'm in a lot of the VC deal rooms or different circles for other founders. And uh, I think the next trend, like this year right now is really game five, but the next trend is really metaverse. All the VCs are funding metaverse worlds right now. So I think the next year, we're going to see a lot of opportunity as NFT um, project to really be the, the quest or the loot box for a lot of these new metaverses coming up. So I think the it's hard to gauge like exactly how much as like, hey, like you're going to get a X number of return on your uh, initial purchase because that's not a guarantee that we, we can necessarily make. But it's something where my focus is we want to return as much value as possible. And a lot of the uh, build and, and process is is going to not just building the, the back end of the software, but also building out and scaling our business development team so that we can get more partnerships for the holders. And that's also like particularly why we are now um, going to start to talk to VCs a lot more seriously because we want to scale this very fast and um, do it the right way. We want to make sure it's sustainable for a long time. When you talk about the metaverse, I'm still very new mm. to this whole, to the metaverse space. Uh, are we talking about essentially Zucks? Like this is all happening on their platform, Facebook's platform? No? no? Okay. Yeah, no. So the metaverse, the metaverse is essentially a concept. I mean, you can, you can interpret it many different ways. People have different, but think of metaverse, like a, a new world, like a digital world. And people are building their own metaverse world. So it's almost like building their own Facebook or building their own Twitter. But the thing that makes like metaverses interesting and, and different is they connect to other worlds a lot of the time. There's not really like a working model that connects to all the metaverses in this world because some of them are just like on their own. Um, but but the assets are transferable because what makes blockchain exciting is let's say if you have this this hoodie and you want to wear it in a different different metaverse or a social platform in a sense, then you're able to transfer it because it's in your wallet because you own that asset. So that's very different than now, like your your Facebook friends or like your Facebook not your Facebook friends, your Facebook assets of X number of games you played on Facebook don't really transfer right now. In this new world in the metaverse, they transfer because you own all the assets in your wallet. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is uh, really interesting on the metaverse side is just that people are building their, some, so you can also almost think of it like some people actually have different homes in different metaverses or different different places that they shape new different identities. If they live in this world and then they are in another world with a different type of identity, it's a cool way to experiment and try different things. And it's still really early on. I wouldn't necessarily just go buy up every land in every metaverse right now. It's something that I think will be like 
we will see some adoption like as the world becomes more digital. If somebody wanted to see some of the stuff that you've designed and created in the metaverse, where would they go? So where people can find us in the metaverse is online on our website. It's akings.com slash NFT. That is where you'll find our trading cards that has our digital collection. And guess where you'll find like our Discord, info about where to earn, info about um, the light paper, tokenomics, things like that. In the Discord community right now, you will see a lot of sneak peeks, early details that aren't available right now to the public. I think that's like the best place. And then Twitter is, in, is the secondary, I would say. And we're going to actually be releasing some of the real in-game um, Decentraland, which is one of the larger metaverses at the moment that are out. We're going to release some gameplay of our clothes in Decentraland. And at the same time, too, I would also like, like to say, I can, I'm happy to give a whitelist allocation to your community and anybody listening to this podcast. So if they're joining in the Discord, um, what the whitelist does is you're essentially going to uh, be have access to the pre-sale round. So the pre-sale round is a day before the public sale. And it's right now the estimated pre-sale is $300 and the public sale is $600. And the other benefits of pre-sale is imagine if you are not familiar with crypto or if you are, there's something called a gas fee, which is a transaction based on the, the volume of people trying to purchase something at the same time. The pre-sale round allows you to have a much lower gas fee than the public round. And uh, we're spreading out the pre-sale in increments so that you will also reduce the gas fees even more. And our, our CTO is actually really, really advanced. So he has done uh, a mint already for 20 NFTs at $12 in gas fees. So we're optimizing the contract to, to that uh, max level as well. But yeah, I would love to offer whitelist for your community if everybody that's stuck through to this point of the podcast. And you know, <laughs> so all they have to do is go to our Discord and just say, hey, hello from Peter King. And like, we'd love to claim whitelist and open in the chat and then open a ticket with us and they contact us to claim their whitelist role. Fantastic. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Let's talk about your team for a minute. So how many, you, you said that you had a, a number of people for the fashion side of it, are, do you have a separate tech team? Are these all one in the same or do you keep them separate and who's on that tech team? Yeah. So it's definitely, I would say it's definitely some team members that are integrated and do both, but we're building out a separate Web3 team right now. So uh, some of our team, like for example, our technical team is led by an advisor who's the, his name's Mike and he's the head of Soundbit right now. And he was formerly Matter Online. He's formerly CEO and CTO of Matter Online, and um, he's he's honestly incredible because I met him as a music engineer, as just like friends of some of my music buddies. Then later on, go to find out that not only is he a, a software developer, but he actually is a CTO and has like a PhD and a master's for Kamsai and all nice. these things. Yeah, we have, so on the Web3 team, we rely really heavily on the technical side for his help and also building out a team under him. The other side is we have a lot of marketing team members that are really experienced on the Web3 front end. So some of them include one of my friends that I've known for years, his name Ariel, and he's a sports manager who manages about 14 NBA players for everything off-court, including investments, including social media partnerships, brand deals, and things of that sort. And we're onboarding all 14 of his players, but through his network, we're expecting to get like 40 to 50 more players. So we're, we're really heavily going to also focus on like collaborations, partnerships long-term with a lot of uh, athletes and other artists. And then 
On the other end, we have somebody who actually is also a content creator in his own right. He has like a million uh, followers on TikTok and he's really built an incredible network of content creators, influencers of his own, has helped sell out uh, multiple projects. You know, uh, between him and Ariel, they've sold out um, 10 plus projects already, you know, and they've really been uh, instrumental at like people in the networks to bring my eyeballs to the project. So they, they are really like leading the influencer side of, of our project outside of my existing network of uh, friends of, in my community and customers on my community. Other people I'd say that's like really strictly Web3 would be like our head of partnerships, Derek, who's like a, who's actually a Neo-Tokyo Citizens member, which is a very interesting project of its own, led by Alex Becker and a few other really well-known guys in the crypto space. And it's a small, close-knit, like 1,000 S1 holders or like a 1,000 really small-knit community of 1,000 members that help each other out and are made up of like devs, game, game five people, game designers. And that's, S1. what is that called again? S, S1? Neo-Tokyo Citizens. Yeah. Oh, Neo-Tokyo Citizens. Okay. Yeah. That's like our, on our Web3 front end. And then we have a whole design arm. Like we have two design team. We have two design team members that are, sitting between fashion and our um, NFT art, but then we have uh, two design members that are just focused on 3D assets and they're solely Web3. And then we have a head of media who's oversees all of that. And we have a separate design like HR because there's so much design focus. Yeah. It's like a project. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, man. Uh, congratulations. First of all, you're, how old are you again? I just turned 25. 25 dude you've already to have um that level of team to be able to track that high quality of talent is really remarkable it's very exciting you're based out of new york correct yeah currently. what are you what are you most excited about right now i think i'm, I'm most excited about really is to see the integrations come to fruition because this is something that i've been building and, and incubating since december and i really was adamant about not rushing the process and making sure that things are executed properly. Actually, finally launch. I think that's like <laughs> one of the we had many meetings about, and I'm excited to see that happen. I'm also excited, I would say, to see cultures really bridge because so I think we live in the world of in the real world of fashion and entertainment really well, and we live and breathe it every day. And I really like to see that bridge happen more and more in Web three and in blockchain. Like when I was in crypto in 2017, it was just a lot of software engineers and like tech guys. So, so now to see came in like musicians, artists, creatives, fashion people really step into Web3, it's like really exciting to see that bridge. And I'm, I'm excited for Web3 as a whole because of that and just to see how open people are right now, like the level of access people like they're able to reach in Web3 is incredible and just like how open people are to collaboration. So I'm super excited to see how fast the shape space is developing in the next year. Mm-hmm. Where do you see it in five to 10 years? And I, I feel like the, the pace that things are moving, it, it feels like it could be a situation where every year is almost like five years of advancement. So I don't even know where, but I will say it also is like there, there is, there is also this point where it's like, Hey, like maybe the tech is, is there's always this point where it's like, Hey, is the tech ready for everybody? Like, is, is everybody going to be able to advance in, in five years time? I feel like for sure what must happen and should have happened by now is, is, uh, that the adoption of user friendliness in crypto that must happen of like, Hey, like how easy it is to start, set up a wallet, how easy it is to purchase and send money out. And 
we actually have some partnerships that are work exciting ways to do that already. Like we, we work with a company that allows you to just make a crypto wallet, like a 12 digit uh, wallet with a 12 word wallet seed phrase with just your phone number. So you put in your phone number and they make the wallet automatically for you. And you send mm-hmm. and receive money just like Venmo, but you can send crypto and, and uh, purchase crypto through them as well. So I think as we see more advancements like that, which is seeing that adoption happen, and I think that's where I see will be the first step. And then it's hard to say like we're five years beyond that, but I, I think we will probably see some metaverses already kind of assert their their mass adoption to some level. You have somebody at the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do have somebody at the door. I think it's uh, probably my guy. The next delivery. Shower. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, are we going to be wearing ar goggles or glasses or whatever do you see us wearing virtual headsets is like yeah. in uh the spielberg movie what was it called again uh, player ready player one we're gonna be yeah. doing that do you see that man when i was growing up i feel like i i had this whole like vision of building this giant game room that was virtual and <laughs> plugged it and super immersive but i the ar side is a little early from what i've seen um, even from the top level, I mean, like, right, even Oculus is super bulky. And I've seen, like, I'm curious to see what Google Glass does. Because I feel like mm-hmm. Google has been working on that for years and said much lately. So I, I, I feel like Apple's supposed to be coming out with something too soon, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think AR on mobile is interesting. I, I've seen that and I've seen some cool adoption there. And I feel like Pokemon Go was like a good example of this. And, and even some of the new AR, like Web3 apps that I've been seeing, like I think those are pretty cool. But it still seems like some of them are just like some of these tech companies are just like, oh, like we're like the AR is funded back by Snapchat. And it's just like Snapchat AR is still too early. It's just it's not really super high end in, in terms of art. So I don't know, like on the AR side, but I feel like at least in the first front, we're going to see a lot more like uh, browser based metaverses or things show up and then like mobile Based item. So I think maybe some AR mobile and then maybe some even like mobile games or like mobile uh, platforms. But I think browser is going to come first. Mm. Yeah. Going back to the fashion yeah. stuff for a second, I was looking at your your site and some of the the different types of fashion wear that you have. It's so innovative. Like you were talking about with the curved jeans, it's really cool to see the creativity that you're bringing to that space. Who are some of the, the influencers and celebrities again that have been wearing your products? Yeah, so I would say we've had every, pretty much like everyone from uh, the hottest hip hop artists to some of the biggest names in EDM and and um, R&B and so on. So for example, like Little Baby, Little Nas X, Steve Aoki, Tyga, then like on the Latin side, like Prince Royce, Samuel, and then even across to like K-pop side, we've had exposure of artists in that realm. So there's just... It's an interesting, it's an interesting time to see like the crossovers of different cultures right now in music and fashion and now it's Web3. Yeah, dude, it's fascinating. And your ability to harness all of this, to put a container around all of it is really, again, very admirable, very remarkable. What's been your biggest influence as far as like who has been your biggest influence? Mm, that's, that's a good question. This I think I, I have a few people that I really admire in terms of I've seen like what they've what they build and like kind of the their thought processes of different things. But I feel like they're I learn and soak up info from different people. So there's not necessarily like one one person that I can necessarily like model after, uh, especially in the fashion. 
but I feel like it's really a lot of my influence comes from entrepreneurs that are in different industries and they've been able to pivot and grow and like build verticals in different industries. And that's like incredibly important. When I look at Mark Cuban, who's like really done that through his career, or like when I look at um, like how like somebody like uh, Steve Jobs has grown like through the years and his vision and how, sim- how much he's simplified things for on the design aspect and create a vision for Apple to just even, I would say there, there's also some things that I think I learned from different entrepreneurs in other industries. So like I've seen, I think one I would say is Tillman Ferretta from like the restaurant industry. I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting in his psychology uh, and his thought process of building businesses. And uh, on the creative aspects, I really look at, I really look at a couple of different people more so in terms of what, what made them decide to pursue design in that way. So like one example would be like Ralph Lauren. It's like, it's like fascinating because it's just that like a lot of designers get caught up in, in like um, building just purely design. But I think Ralph Lauren really understood like building. So I think it's just like really fascinating for that. Mm. We are just coming up on time. Why don't we wrap it up? I know you've got so many other things going on, many balls in the air, clearly. But Alan, this has been a fascinating conversation. I'd love to maybe do another one sometime in the near future. Maybe we can do it in person and continue this conversation and get an update on where you're at with your business and whatnot. But for those that are interested, again, they can go to akings.com forward slash NFT. You can find all the information there to get connected with Alan and what he's up to in the cryptoverse, the metaverse as well as his Discord channel where you'll get a lot of information. And again, thank you for giving us some early access to some of the the stuff that you're working on. Yeah, for sure. No, it was a pleasure. And I'd love to set up something again uh, another time. For sure. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, brother. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Okay. Talk soon.